If you are watching this on YouTube, you can tell that we're doing something a little bit different here. We are now showing a video podcast along with the podcast on Anchor as well as Spotify. Like I said before, I've said it in both the previous episodes, and if you've watched or listened to any of the previous episodes of the podcast, I kind of got ahead of myself. Didn't really know what I was doing, but I wanted to kind of try it out. And it did okay, but I really wanted to kind of bring it uh, mainstream with uh, making it available across multiple platforms. Excuse me. Uh, So yeah, this is episode three. Um, I'm already getting better feedback than I did the entire 22 episode run I had originally when I was just putting the audio file on YouTube. And I still appreciate all of the support that I got on that one, but since I've started doing this one, I'm already getting support. So that's appreciated. Um, yeah. Uh, so those of you that know me personally are probably like, well, how are you recording this in your house right now? You're Where's your wife and your daughter? Um, they're not here. They're actually in uh, Alabama right now uh, going to a wedding. And I was supposed to go, but we got like a major tropical thunderstorm warning, basically. And the, it's still going to be raining at the wedding, but if we had gone, I have to go to work on Monday morning, so if we had gone, I would have had to come back on Sunday, whereas if I just stay here, you know what I'm saying? I can hang out, and she can stay until the weather looks better, so it kind of works out for everybody, because your boy has got the house to himself. I've been walking around here all day acting a damn fool singing, running around, playing with the dog, drinking this Arizona green tea. Look, if Arizona sponsors me, I'll wear a shirt that looks like this every day of my life. So y'all let them know. Your boy's been drinking green tea since 2002. It's delicious. I'm also sitting in my old man chair right here. I pull out the uh, old stogie pipe and wear my, uh, what's that shit called? My uh, Hugh Hefner smoker's jacket and sit here and just, <laughs> and, you know, watch like 
Harry Truman give a speech or something, black and white, you know, and fireside talks. But yeah, man, um, a lot of these uh, episodes have just been kind of coming to me. I've been making them a lot quicker than I expected. I normally just do one episode a week, but because... I've been getting so much feedback, and I've just, I've really been just working on stand-up lately. Like, work hasn't been too difficult, it's not really too demanding of my time, so I've been kind of investing more time in myself. And I think that's important for everybody. You've got to always make sure you're looking out for you. Once your family's taken care of, if you got a family, and once you, you know, you're straight at work, and you got all that situated, you got to worry about you. Okay, that's the main thing. Look, here I am, dropping some advice already. This is the Mac Daddy Seminar. You might learn something. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, like I said, I've been working on a lot of my stand-up recently, just writing and trying to edit and, you know, even just, like, doing material even when I'm not on stage like I've basically just stockpiled so much material like it used to be this is how I used to do it and don't by any means don't take my advice maybe if you're thinking about getting started into stand-up but anything past the starting point don't listen to shit I'm saying but what I used to do is I would just focus on one open mic at a time so I would write five minutes, which is normally like the span of time you get to do an open mic. And what I would do is I would just rehearse that, rehearse that, rehearse that until it became second nature. And I would perform it and then I'd be like, okay, now I have to write five more minutes. And then I would get distracted with something and I just, would kind of walk away from it for like a month and then I'd come back and you know now I have five minutes that's just like shoved in the middle of a notebook somewhere you know so I've been I've been going back through all of my old notebooks and even stuff that I wrote when I was in high school I've been going back and like okay maybe I can put this in here you know it, it's weird like now that I'm actually making an honest effort to getting better, I can feel myself getting better. And I've been, I, I mean, even if I'm not able to go to an open mic because what I do for my day job is pretty demanding, I still find ways to work in material um, during just everyday life and conversations and stuff. So uh, I went to an open mic actually on Monday night here in Mississippi, and it was it was cool. Um, I didn't perform. Uh, I'd never been there before, and it always makes me really nervous whenever I go to a new place to do stand-up, simply because um, I've had so many bad experiences here in Mississippi since I've been here, because I started doing stand-up originally in Alabama when I was 18. And I kind of was spoiled because I started very, very young. I started at 18 as soon as I graduated high school. And I had done th 
theater and things like that in high school, and I wrote a lot of my own scenes. That's what I, originally I wanted to be an actor. That's why I got into theater, and then through me actually writing out my scenes because everything I found on the internet to perform I didn't like. I was like, I don't feel connected to this. So I would write out my own scenes, and by doing that, I kind of figured out, you know what, I might want to try this stand-up comedy thing. So I started out when I was 18 and I got I was spoiled because I just learned about structure a little bit and I you know worked on my timing but I really didn't know what I was doing. And so I went and did this open mic July 27th of 2012. It's here in a couple of weeks, it's going to be my seven-year anniversary of doing stand-up. Even though I've taken years off at a time, it's been seven years since I started. And uh, I went, and I, I was so nervous, but, you know, I, I was the youngest person there, and I just went into it, and uh, it was crazy, man, because, like, I went, and I was very, very nervous. I remember I was like shaking. I was so nervous. And everybody else was just kind of cool and collected, but everybody else was an adult. Everybody else is 28, 30 years old. There were 15 people on the lineup, and I had rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed my set. And, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll be okay. And right when that happened, my dad walked in. And I hadn't seen my dad in eight, nine years, and he just walked in to my first ever uh, stand-up show, and my mom is there, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, was there, you know, and um, it really made your boy nervous, man, but uh, one of the guys was cool, and you know, okay, look, I was 18, he gave me a beer, and I drank it backstage, it was but uh, I went out and I actually I did really well and I ended up winning. It was a competition-based thing, and I know I'm getting off subject, but I don't care. We're, we're talking. This is the seminar. You paid to be here. You gotta listen. Anyway, um, I ended up winning that, and then I did one more open mic in Birmingham at a bar, and I wasn't even old enough to get in after I won the uh, open mic at the Stardom Comedy Club in Birmingham, that's where I started. And um, I wasn't even old enough to get into this bar. But I had this huge ego because I was like, I just started and I've already beaten these people that have been doing it for years. And uh, I went and did this open mic and I just bombed. It was terrible. I didn't even know what a bomb was back then. I was like, oh, I just wasn't funny, but that's what it is, you know, if, you, if you're not making the audience laugh, you're bombing. And then, uh, third time I ever went on stage was a few months after that, um, they asked me to come host open mic night at the Stardom Comedy Club, which I did, and I, didn't, I don't think I did too bad, it, it was fine, but... Uh, the big thing was, so when I won that original open mic, they asked me to come back 
and you get to be in the main showcase. So this is everybody from every open mic throughout the year that's won. Those people, all the winners get together and they compete for the top prize. I, I know I must have talked about this on the podcast before, but if it's your first time hearing it, I'm happy to tell the story. And um, yeah, I did the show. And I was stupid nervous because this was in front of a crowd of like 600, 700 people. It was a big crowd. And uh, I was super nervous, but I ended up doing really, really well. If you want to watch the video from that performance, it's uh, down at the very bottom of my videos. The, the first open mic I ever did is at the very bottom. And I think it's labeled my first open mic. And then the one that I did on the big stage it was like 18 year old comedian very funny you know I'm trying to I'm trying to get some views on these videos so if you want to watch that performance it's down at the bottom and uh, pretty much after that I uh, I don't know I took like a four-year break I had a lot of like soul searching to do and figure out what I was gonna do And I won't get into all of that because I'll spend the whole episode explaining all of that. If you know me personally, you know what happened. But, long story short, um, I thought about getting back into stand-up right before my daughter was born. And uh, ever since then, you know, it, it's been pretty difficult because I have obligations. I have a family to take care of. And... Um, you know, I've been, I've, I'm, I'm saying this modestly, but I know I've been taking good care of them, and, uh, you know, I'm really starting to focus on it again, and uh, I feel like I'm doing okay. I did an open mic in January here in Mississippi. This was the whole point of what I was trying to get to. I'm sorry, okay? I have ADHD. This is what's going on up here. So I might be telling you one quick little thing, and now we're already 15 minutes into an episode because I'm telling you the story of my life. You know what? That's what we're doing. And uh, the whole point of what I was uh, talking about was I went to this open mic on Monday. And I've been to a couple of these open mics here in Mississippi. I've done comedy shows in New Orleans. I've done comedy shows in Mississippi. I've done comedy shows in uh, Alabama, of course. And I've done one comedy show in California when I took a trip out there not too long ago. But, um... Uh... So yeah, the thing about comedy here in Mississippi, and when I say comedy, I'm not talking about your sold-out arenas when Kevin Hart comes to town, you know, anything like that. I'm talking about just your day-to-day, -day regular people who want to try and write some jokes, open mics, here in Mississippi are pretty bad. There's no other way to describe it. It's pretty horrible. 
I have gone to a couple of them. For the first, I, I, I know I've talked about this before on the podcast, but the spots around, pretty much all of them are bars, okay? And I went to one, which is in Hattiesburg, and it was fine. However, this is a reoccurring thing that happens at every comedy show I go to. If it's an open mic and it's open to anybody, you just sign up and you go up, this always happens, and I cannot figure out why. For some reason, a white guy will get on the stage and say the N-word. I don't know why. I don't. There's maybe two white comedians that have figured out how to say the N-word on stage and make it funny. Other than that, I don't know anyone that can make it work. And it never fails. Somebody always does that and it just throws off the flow of the entire show after that. Everybody is just so uncomfortable. And I mean, sometimes it ends in a fight. I've seen it, I've seen somebody almost get beaten up. I have seen people get beaten up over a joke. It just wasn't a joke you should be making. You know, if you need to make a joke about saying the N-word as a white person, you need to get back into that writing pad, man. And you know what? The guy that was like, that said that and was belligerently drunk while he did his set, he sat there and told everybody he just filmed a special for HBO. Yeah. You think I believe that? And then after he did that and almost got in a fight with everybody in the club, which was hilarious too, because he goes on stage, he's blackout drunk, and he gets up on stage and looks out at the crowd and says a joke. And I'm not gonna repeat the joke, but the N-word was in there. The whole crowd was black people. I was the only other white guy there at this performance. This is in New Orleans. I'm the only other white guy there. He's white, I am white, everybody else is black. And it's a comedy club in New Orleans. And he goes up before me, he's the first person to get up on the stage, and he says a joke that involves the N-word, and I'm just in the back of the room like, It was, it, it was bad. And I had to follow him. Yeah. You deal with that type of stuff. You have, sometimes you go, they're almost all of them are way too late. Look, I know that I have to get up early for my job. Not everybody else has to get up so early for their job. But those of us that have to get up early, I can't come and do an open mic that's 45 minutes away at 10 p.m. Not when I have to wake up at 4.45 the next morning, 5. I just, I need more sleep than that. So, if it's that late, chances are I'm not going to be able to make it something like that. I've been talking for almost 20 minutes about comedy. I'm going to wrap this up. We're going to, you know what, this is probably going to be a long episode. Whatever. Um... So yeah, you'll go to these and it's 10 o'clock at night and there's like six people there. And uh, 
you know, I usually reach out to everybody that I, uh, if I'm going to go do an open mic, I look for them on Google or I look for them on Facebook where people have set them up. And, uh, so I normally, I know at least one person there when I get there, but sometimes I walk in and it's like, I don't know anybody. But this one occasion, I go to this place and, uh, you know, this guy walks up to me and there's not a lot of people there and I'm thinking they're not even going to do the open mic. So I just figured I'm about to leave. It's like, Hey man, how about you, uh, get up there and do like five minutes for me? And I was like, are, are we, are we still doing the show? He's like, Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to go up. He's drunk as hell. Everybody there is smoking weed or drinking or something like that. And I'm just sitting there, you know, with my bottle of water, just, you know, I'm just, I just want to come do some stand up. That's all. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying to make friends. I'm, I'm just here to work out some new jokes and go on my merry way, get back in the car and leave. That's the only reason I'm here. But, uh, I told him, yeah, I'll get up. And, um, I went up and it was fine. You know, even for just a couple of people, you know, it was still decent. And, uh, as soon as we were done, the guy was like, hey man, uh, you mind giving me a ride to the gas station? Now, normally, and I'll never do this again, but normally I would say no to that, but he was a very nice guy, and I didn't see him smoking any weed or anything. I just knew he'd had a little bit to drink. And I was like, yeah man, I'll take you to the gas station. Because he told me somebody was gonna meet him there, thinking, that somebody is coming to pick him up. Well, we get in the car, the gas station is not even a mile down the road. And we get there, and uh, I'm like, all right, man, uh, is your buddy here? He's like, yeah, man, he's gonna be uh, here in a second. Hey, are you cool with him getting in your car? And I'm like, why, why would he get in my car? He's like, all right, man, well, I'm just gonna be honest with you, this dude's, uh, He's gonna sell me a little bit of uh, coke tonight. Do you want some? And I'm like, I offered to give you a ride to the gas station. This is the first time you've ever met me and you are asking me, can somebody sit in the back seat and sell rock cocaine in the back of my car because the answer is no i was like hey man you gotta get out that was it hey man are you cool with me buying some coke in your car hey man you gotta get out like right now i'm not messing around get out and he got out and i put it in reverse and i took off that's it didn't go back there. I might, eventually, I might go back and do open mic there, but I don't think that guy's gonna uh, bother me about that. He might, he'll probably apologize, honestly. I always try to see the goodness in people, you know? So, one of the reasons, a lot, I went and did this show on Monday night, or I went and watched this show, and I just wanted to scope it out and see how it would go. And, uh, 
it went well. I was actually very impressed. It's a very good place. I actually kind of was like kicking myself afterwards because I was like, I should have gone up. But I just, I just kind of wanted to watch because you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan, and I like to watch sometimes and not feel the pressure of you know going up. So let the other guys do their thing, you know. And uh, it was a great spot. But take all of that stuff that I just talked about, and when you ask me, hey man, how come you don't uh, invite me to the open mic? Apply that to it. Because I've asked friends or family members or you know people that I'm cool with, like, hey man, they're like, hey man, when are you gonna invite us to do some stand-up? When are you gonna invite us to uh, come watch you? When it's me, doing it by myself because I don't want to subject you to people that are trying to buy coke or want to say the n-word in front of a bunch of people. I don't want you to, or somebody that takes their shirt off and draws on their face with a magic marker and expects everybody to laugh. That happened one time. And did nobody understand anything he was saying? He's just, He's, he's got his shirt, he's doing, I'm not going to do it because I don't want you to see these nipples, but he's got his shirt wrapped around like this, and he's, duh, 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 duh. I don't understand what he was trying to do, but he was just using a black magic marker and putting dots and then scribbling on his forehead like that. This is in a bar in Hattiesburg. I didn't understand anything leading up to that. He just... And everybody was like, a couple people were like, <laughs> and that was their laugh. But God, I'm just standing there. I'm just like, and I asked somebody to come with me, and he was just like, what? And then they look at me like it's my fault. Like, oh, you got me into this, you know? Whatever, man. Long story short, open mics are not that much fun. But the only way to get better is to go do them. So, there you go. Yeah, man. Uh, I've been playing the PlayStation. This buddy of mine let me borrow this game, which if I get a PlayStation game, if I'm not really into it, even right after I buy it, I'll take it out of the store. I did that with that Days Gone game, that zombie game that came out and everybody was like, oh, oh, oh it's a zombie game, dude. Uh, uh, there's big hordes of zombies that you can kill. That game was trash. I bought it and then like three days later I took that shit back and got Spider-Man instead. Spider-Man is lit. But the game that I've been playing, a uh, buddy of mine that I work with let me borrow it. It's called uh, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. And that game is fire, okay? It's literally like 
they say it's like Dark Souls or whatever, which I've never played that, but it's like you're a samurai and you run around stabbing people and you gotta block. It's hard though. The coolest part about it is you get to use like this grappling hook and then uh, like whenever you wanna get out of the way real quick, you just, you know? You yank up on a tree or something, throw rocks at people, you know? It's a good game. I just get frustrated while I'm playing it. My daughter will come downstairs and play. Daddy, I play a sword fight. I play sword fight. And then she's starting to get smart now. So like, what I used to do was I would just hand her the controller that was off while I played, and she would think that she was playing. But now she's smart because she knows my controller lights up. And now she's like, this one's mine. I'm like, no, it's not. This one is mine. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's a fun game. And between that, writing jokes, watching Game of Thrones, and working, I'm just scrolling through Facebook. Which, oh, this is what I wanted to talk about. This is what the main premise of the episode is about today. I've been seeing this meme on Facebook about people wanting to storm the gate at Area 51. The name of the Facebook group, I think it is, is like 250,000 of us will storm the gate at Area 51, comma, they can't stop us all. <sighs> I know it's a joke, but I don't think everybody knows it's a joke. And it is the funniest thing looking at these memes. Like, there anything that's got an alien in it, it's talking about these people storming the gate at Area 51. And they want to do it on September 20th. I don't know what the relevance is of September 20th, but now I'm like thinking ahead. So I'm like, when September 20th rolls around, I'm going to be like, anything happened? Area 51? Because I want to know. I am going to be headed out to California around that time frame. I may veer right. Be part of the uh, the movement. You know? I might go storm the gate at Area 51. Because I want to know. What do they got in there? What are they trying to hide, man? Like, I feel like if they had an alien, why wouldn't they just tell us? I feel like we could handle it. You know, like I, I, I wouldn't care if they came on the TV right now and they were like, "Breaking news: Aliens are real." I'd be like, hmm. and I'd keep on scrolling and I'd see what else was on. But as far as like panicking, freaking out, packing on, like if they're not attacking, what are we worried about? 
if we've been studying them, because what, Area 51's been around since like, what, 1904? It's supposed to be an Air Force base. Or so, okay, obviously it's not 1904, but you get what I'm saying, it's been around for forever. And nobody knows what's inside, and the people that do are like sworn to secrecy. What is in there? And you know what? I'm gonna swarm the gate. What if I'm the only one that gets in? What if I go to Nevada on September 19th, I stay in uh, Motel 6, and I get up, they're supposed to do it at like 3 a.m. I get up at like 8 p.m. that night, I go have a nice hearty meal, and then I go out to the desert, and there's gonna be a bunch of people standing around with like guts hanging out, and you know, Dungeons and Dragon shirts, or, you know, their Naruto headbands and stuff like that. Pretty much everybody that's at a comedy open mic. <laughs> and, um, we're all just gonna stand around and wait till like 3 o'clock in the morning. And maybe, depending on how many of them there are, you know, what if I'm the one? Imagine, I'm gonna cut this line starting to get dark in here. Imagine if I was the only one to get in. Imagine that episode. I'm like, all right, guys, I'm packing my bags this weekend. I'm going to fucking Nevada. I'm going to storm the gate at Area 51. And then y'all watch CNN and you're like, they're like, today, one man uh, part of the storming the gate at Area 51 actually made it through the barrier today. His name is Taylor Dunn. And they just showed me being drug out of there by like 19 police officers, the SWAT team. I got a blindfold on my face and they're putting me in the back of a van. And then like two weeks later, I come back and I'm like bone thin. My face is all sunken in. And I'm, I got real dark circles under my eyes. You think I could, I want to know, y'all message me in the inbox and let me know if you think I would survive if they like tried to break me. I'd be like, what did you see in there? Oh, I didn't see nothing. Because <laughs> what if, like, what if I do see some stuff and they try to brainwash me into saying, oh, I didn't see no aliens or nothing like that. And then I'm coming back and I'm doing the podcast. I'm like, you know, and then all of a sudden I like and I'm like they have aliens in there and I show you my phone and I'm like here they go I took a bunch of pictures I posed with a couple of them I was like you know <sighs> my god anyway um have you ever seen that movie Signs with Mel Gibson. It came out in like 2001. I watched that movie and I'd never been afraid of aliens before. Even like the Sigourney Weaver aliens. I wasn't afraid of those. I was like, oh, that thing's gross looking, but I, it didn't scare me. And then I watched that movie and didn't sleep for like four years. 
we watched that movie. We I was like seven years old, and we moved from the city in Alabama, which is like kind of hard to believe that there are cities there, but the populated part of town. We lived in a trailer park out there, and then we moved uh, from there to the country. And guess what the first movie we watched when we got to the country was? Guess. It was Signs. Now, I go from streets being lit up, cars going by, people outside talking, to dead silence woods in a big open field. We watched that movie and everything was cool until I saw that scene with those kids at that uh, birthday party. That's what that's that's what got me was that that them kids at that Mexican birthday party. If you've never seen signs you need to watch it this weekend. Because that scene at that birthday party pretty much shaped my entire existence. All those kids are like, Are you the man? Are you the man? Son of a gringo. I don't know how to speak Spanish, but, you know. They're all at this birthday party and they're screaming running around. Joaquin Phoenix is sitting in the closet. You know, watching it like, Out of the way, kids! And they, they, the kids are at the birthday party, and they're they're shooting down this long hallway. And alias walks to the screen. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> he just, he's over in the. They're, they're showing you that they know how to use camouflage, so that's why they can't hardly ever see him. And if you rewatch it, you can see it kind of like right there next to the bushes, like this. And then he just kind of stands up and goes and walks to the screen. And I remember seeing that when I was seven years old, white as a ghost, like, you know? And, uh, man, that, that scared the life out of me. My mom, after we watched that movie, I'm sure I was sitting there and I'd shit down both legs because it scared me so bad. And my mom was like, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you'll walk down to the end of the driveway and touch the mailbox. And I said no. At seven years old, I refused to walk down. It was maybe a hundred feet, because our house was up on the hill. It was like a hundred feet down our driveway to the main road. And there were no trees or anything like that. It was just pretty much open. And I was like, nope, not worth it. I don't even know if I do that now. After I watch something like really, really scary. I'm a bitch. <laughs> I I am not messing with nothing scary. If I can watch something and it's scary, I'm a grown man and I mm, they, I don't have any problem admitting it. It is what it is, you know? Yeah, man. That movie. I might actually, I might watch it tomorrow during the day. Since I'm here at the house pretty much all weekend by myself, I've been thinking, like, what can I do? Well, I guess I could shoot a podcast or, you know, 
well, I guess I can clean up or do this, or you know, I guess I can. But there's supposed to be like a tropical cyclone, so I'll probably, if I do end up watching Signs, the power will go out and it'll be black dark at night, and I'll be scared. I won't be able to sleep, and it's gonna be hot because it's Mississippi and it's 900 million degrees. I don't know, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, uh, so like I said earlier um, in the podcast, I've been getting a lot more feedback from people. Um, and a lot of people have been messaging me, and I, I tell everybody, at you know, send me messages, send me things you'd like for me to talk about because, you know, sometimes I run out of stuff to talk about, believe it or not, and I want to keep this thing going, I want to make longer episodes like today, and, um, yeah, I just want to keep this thing going as long as possible. So send me, uh, questions or any type of, you know, anything that you guys want to hear. You know, if you have something, like, for example, the reason I bring this up, I got a message that I, I liked, and uh, is this guy that I used to work with, I won't say his last name, but his first name is Trey, and uh, yeah, this guy was cool when I worked with him, super cool guy, and he was like, hey man, really like the podcast, you know, like what you're doing, um, I know you said something about, and I'm, I'm just ad-libbing here, I don't remember all what it says, but basically he said... Uh, who are your top five favorite comedians? And I was like, oh, that's actually a good point. So today I kind of walked around and I thought about it. And I kind of wrote some of it down. And uh, so to answer your question, Trey, uh, my top five comedians, living or dead of all time. And this is just me. This is just opinion-based, you know, because at the end of the day, what you think is funny and what I think is funny might be two completely different things. But based off of what I like and who I think can teach comics the most, my top five uh, living or dead comedians are uh, number five would be Robin Williams. Because Robin Williams was not only a very, very funny stand-up comedian, which a lot of people don't even know that he did stand-up. Go on YouTube and look it up. He has stand-up comedy specials. I think the last one he did was in like 2002 or something like that, and it's funny. And, uh, yeah, he went on tour, and then, you know, he was... His name is on the wall at the comedy store, and, you know, he... That's where he got started, was right there. Just an amazing impressionist. Absolutely. I mean, if you've ever watched Mrs. Doubtfire, that's really all you need to see, is that. And not only, you know, in just comedy, too, he was such a talented actor, like, just revered in Hollywood for who he was. And, you know, he won an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. You know, he was a phenomenal actor. And honestly, it was just his ability to be funny at the drop of a hat. If you watch any of his 
interviews or any of his, you know, award acceptance speeches, he's just funny, just like that. No preparation, just right off the top of his head. And uh, when he passed away, you know, I took it kind of hard, you know, it was, it was really sad because, you know, I mean, I don't mean to get all morbid here, but, uh, you know, it was sad to see that he, you know, took his own life, but, you know, sometimes that's, that's the truth of, you know, the people that like to make everybody laugh or those are the ones that hurt the most inside. So yeah, not trying to make everybody start crying and stuff, RIP Robin Williams, but, um, to continue on the list. Uh, my number four spot would go to Jim Carrey. Um, and I know my mom probably disagrees with me on this. But the reason I say Jim Carrey at number four is uh, his stand-up career was not that illustrious. I don't know if that's the right word. But um, he... He did, he has a stand-up comedy special on YouTube you can watch, and I forget what it's called though, but it's actually pretty good. It's really funny, but he's young, man. He's like, it's like 1991. This is before any of his movies came out. I think this was before In Living Color. Might have been right after In Living Color, but I mean, I've done papers on Jim Carrey in school. He was like my idol growing up. I mean... Ace Ventura, The Mask, Liar Liar, Dumb and Dumber. I mean, hands down, some of my favorite movies of all time. And I love showing all of that to my daughter and letting her see all of that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's, he's a phenomenal actor as well, you know? And like Man on the Moon and stuff like that. He's the number 23. He's a very good actor. So, um, it's not until recently where he's gotten so political, you know, I get it, you know, he's been famous for so long, it probably doesn't really mean anything to him anymore, but, uh, I don't know, I just, I'm not, I'm not a fan of all the politics and stuff, like, hey man, talk out of your butt again, you know, if I ever meet him though, I'll probably faint, but, yeah. So, that was number four. Number three on my list. Now I'm about to make some people mad. Uh, number three on my list of my favorite comedians, uh, living or dead. Um, I'm going to say number three is Richard Pryor. For me. Richard Pryor uh, pretty much wrote the book for modern stand-up as far as, like, what you can talk about on stage, and, like, he was, like, I mean, if you want to get into, like, Lenny Bruce and stuff like that, those are the, Lenny Bruce, Red Fox, you know, those people kind of paved the way for him, but he was probably the first rendition of what is a modern-day comedian for me. Amazing comedy specials, I mean... That guy, when he walked into the comedy store, people were about to fall at his feet because everyone knew that he was the truth. He was the real deal. And, you know, 
I just I can't put him that high on the list simply because everything that I've watched of his was after my time or before my time sorry and um, you know just is what it is it's not dated it aged incredibly well material and you know he had a couple of pretty good movies but um, I just say he he's what everybody looks to as that's the inspiration I feel like a lot of people look at Richard Pryor as if he's the goat but not for me um, number two uh, I would have to give it to Eddie Murphy Eddie Murphy um, is above Richard Pryor in my book because he was Richard Pryor's protege. He was his mentee. Richard Pryor was Eddie Murphy's mentor. So he taught Eddie from a very young age, like early, like 19, 20, 21. Eddie was doing club work and even going on tour as a like rock star arena sellout arenas comedian i mean just watch delirious i think he's like what 21 22 somebody correct me if i'm wrong but yeah he's like 21 22 in those specials and they're fantastic i mean just absolutely just murdering the room he ain't scared just kaboom and he's just out the gate with some of the funniest material ever here all of the big comedians right now say when like Eddie Murphy puts fear in their heart and I wish I wish Eddie would come back and do stand up again so bad they've, they've hinted at it on like Jimmy Kimmel and stuff like that but um I don't know such a big, huge Eddie Murphy fan. Eddie Murphy is one of my favorites. And some of the funniest movies, too. Nutty Professor. Uh, there's a lot of other ones. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Eddie Murphy was the man in the 80s. He was the throne holder in the 80s by a long shot. Nobody, he was the Kevin Hart of the 80s. And I know, before any of you say anything, Kevin Hart is not on this list. I'm not, I'm not knocking Kevin Hart. I respect his craft, but he's just class clown funny to me, man. Some of his older specials, he had some really good material, but to me, Kevin Hart doesn't fall in on this list. My personal opinion. Um, but yeah, Eddie Murphy was the man. Some honorable mentions. Before we get to number one, uh, Louis C.K., one of my favorites. Um, unfortunately, you know, he had a lot of bad press come out about him a couple of years ago, but I really hope he works through it and gets back to, you know, doing his thing because I'd like to, you know, watch more Louis C.K. Um, Is Tom Segura. Tom Segura is fantastic. Love all of his stuff. Chris D'Elia. I don't put them in the top five, but these are some of my favorites right now. 
that I watch. Joey Diaz, okay? Joey Diaz, probably one of the most influential people on giving young comics advice, in my opinion. I listen to Joey Diaz podcast all the time because all he talks about is the business of comedy. And that is, you know, if you're a young comic, you gotta pay attention to that type of stuff too. Write funny jokes, obviously, but that's what I enjoy listening to. Uh, but yeah, number one on my list of top comedians, I'm gonna have to give it to Dave Chappelle. Honestly, Dave Chappelle to me is, when he passes away, he will be more highly revered than Richard Pryor. And I just think it's because Dave Chappelle had success pretty early in his life. Um, he started stand-up when he was 14. He opened for Aretha Franklin at like 16, 17 years old. And, um, you know, he was on Def Comedy Jam and all these different things. And then, you know, he uh, was in The Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy right there in the beginning, you know? And that's one of the funniest scenes of that movie. And I just look, whenever I watch that scene, I'm like, good God, those are my two top comedians right there in the same movie together, you know? My God, what I would do to meet both of those guys at the same time. Or just sit down and, like, have a coffee with them or something. God. But, um, yeah, man. Dave Chappelle had a, you know, it's what made him famous was the Chappelle Show. Hands down the funniest sketch comedy show on television. And uh, he was doing great. He was working on, like, season three, I want to say it was. And... He just didn't like how Comedy Central was trying to control his stuff. They offered him like a $50 million deal and he turned it down. And he kind of just backed into the dark for 11 years. We didn't hear anything from Dave. Like, I remember being a kid sitting on the couch and, you know, on the weekends when I would go visit my dad and stuff, um, I would sit there and I would watch uh, the Chappelle show at night because that's when it would come on. It was uncensored on Comedy Central. And I used to watch it and just laugh. And then I was just like, out of nowhere, they stopped playing it. And then 11 years later, I'm grown. And Dave Chappelle comes out again and he's like, yeah, I'm releasing two comedy specials or three comedy specials. And I'm just like, what? You know? And his latest string of comedy specials have been flawless. He looks so comfortable on stage, and to me, he is the person to study. Because that, to me, is mastery level of craft of stand-up. And that is the level that I would even love to get remotely close to. And it takes a lifetime. I know it. I mean, he's 44, almost 45 years old. And I realized through watching Dave, this is how long and how much of the process it's going to take you to get to this level. And he may even get better because he's not in bad shape by any means. So he doesn't have like a really bad drug problem or anything, not that I know of. He doesn't drink too much. And, you know, I just, I really respected the fact that he took off 11 years just to raise his kids and not be brought up in the line. 
from celebrities. So yeah. Um, so that's my list. Top five comedians. Um, so thank you, Trey, for your question. I know it took a long time to answer, but um, you know, I appreciate your question. Hey, the rest of y'all, send me messages. I've been getting a lot of them. I just that was the one that kind of stuck out to me, and um, you know that's what I decided to talk about because I knew it was going to take a little while. But I'll get to some more of the questions, you know, on the next episode. And to be honest with you, I really don't know when that's going to be. You know, I may do another episode here in a couple of days. It just depends on what I feel like doing. Um, I got comedy dates coming up. I'll put that out in the next episode. Uh, they'll all be around Mississippi, obviously. Um, so if you can make it, I'll let you know the dates and where exactly they're going to be. But um, if you want to go and I like you, I will send you the location. Um, uh, follow me on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, my name on there is T-A-Y-L-O-R-D-U-N-N, all lowercase, and then underscore, 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 like a line. I'll probably put it down as a watermark at the end of this video. Or maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't figure out how to do it. But you know how to read. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, please, if you like this, support it. Share it, like it, subscribe to the YouTube channel, okay? This thing is only going to get as big as I feel like it should get and manifest into something bigger based off of the people that are listening to it. That's just how it is. I mean, I just did an hour-long episode. This is the longest episode I've ever done. And I'm trying to, you know, get a little bit more involved in it. But I need your help. Send me suggestions. If you have something that happened or a meme even that you want to talk about, hit me up. Let me know. And we'll get it cracking, Jack. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a like. Uh, share this on Facebook or a clip that you like on Instagram. I appreciate it all. And once again, I will see you guys next week.